Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and today I am joined by some very special guests. But before we get into the episode, I just wanted to let you know that we did that thing again. And our conversation was so good that we had to split it up into two episodes. So today is the first installment of two parts of this great conversation with Bridget Pensano and Bo Tiller. Thanks for tuning in today. Here's the episode. So welcome, if this is your first time listening to New Mana, happy to have you. And I just want to say thank you to everybody out there who's left a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, that he's about a good work, and that he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I've got a really exciting episode for you today. Got some Southerners in the house. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And <laughs> Bridget, where are you from? You got a Northerner, too. I got a Northerner. So Northern we're, Minnesota. We got, we got the North, <laughs> Mid, and South covered. Because today we are joined by the one and only Miss Bridget Pensano. Hi. Hi, Lee. Good to be here. Yes. And the the wonderfully sun-kissed Bo Tiller. Thank you, Lee. Cool. <laughs> so good to be here in my office. It's very small with the giant pillar and the bright orange curtains. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Did you pick those out yourself? I did. Can I? Yeah. I yeah. was trying to match the orange I was going to say, chair. they match your chair pretty well. And yeah, I was like, man, this is a tiny kind and of dingy office. And the post-it notes. What? They match the post-it <gasps> notes, too. Oh, my goodness. You're so right. I didn't even know. Thank wasn't you, Jesus, planned. And here we are. coordination. <laughs> I and the artwork from your children. Yes. My children are adorable. Did you request that? Did I request that? Yeah, that they would match your office. No. Do they? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, they do. Like there's you a little bit in there. to me. Well, yeah, if you ever get to come to my immaculate office, you'll get to see the glory of which we are speaking. But Bridget, tell me about who is Bridget Pensano? Oh, my goodness. What a question. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Well, yeah, born and raised in northern Minnesota, what I like to call the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. So a um, couple hours from Canada, right on the North Dakota border and small town of 1,500 people, Ada, Minnesota. Oh, wow. And I grew up in the country, so 12 miles outside of town. My neighbors, closest neighbors, were two miles away. And I always say that that was how my sister and I became good friends. because Your, closest, were, your closest neighbors were two miles away. Two miles away. Wow. Yeah. So if you, my sister and I, if we wanted to play with somebody, we were going to play with each other. So yep. we yeah. got to be good friends. Um, but yeah, really grateful for the experience of growing up in a small town and just the kind of the closeness and intimacy that that can bring with family, friends, and all that. Um, went to college at the University of Minnesota. Go Gophers. Go Ghosts. That's it. There you go. Um, was just there for my last two years, transferred in, but still love the Gophers. Still. Um, yeah, still. Yeah, call me on that. Yeah. I don't really follow them, but okay. if somebody says go Ghosts, I will but certainly you're a gopher. say that. You're yeah. a Gopher. I'm a Gopher. Yeah. Um, and then came down here to Kansas um, almost 10 years ago now mm. when I started working for SPO, St. Paul's Outreach, which is a Catholic nonprofit ministry that, that does young adult and college ministry. So that's what I do now. Yeah. SPO is awesome. I love it. Thanks. Yep. It changed my life in college. And then, you know, I felt this this real call from the Lord to right. to give back and to, to contribute to what had changed my life so much. And it's not like you just moved here for SPO. Like you, you were doing some other stuff before, right? Well, I did move here for SPO. You did? So, yeah, I graduated college. I graduated from the University of Minnesota in 2014, started working for SPO right after that. Oh. And like kind of a lot of different missionary organizations, when you say yes to serving, mm. they have freedom to send you anywhere. And mm-hmm. so they decided to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I believe, they decided to send me to 
Kansas. I served for my first two years at Benedictine College. Oh, cool. So that was my my first in with Kansas. And then being there as an early 20-some-year-old, most of the young adult life that was happening was in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And so I traveled often to Kansas City as a missionary to participate in kind of the life that was going on here. Mm -hmm. Really fell in love with the city. And it's, I mean, kind of a crazy story is like early on felt like God was going to be asking me to like really give my life for the work that he was doing here in Kansas City. Mm. So when I was done with my time at Benedictine as a missionary, I knew I wanted to move to Kansas City, wasn't sure what I wanted to do, ended up serving for SPO for a few more years, took a little hiatus, okay, which is maybe what you're referring to, worked as an aerospace engineer for two years, which is what my background is. I studied oh, cool. aerospace engineering in college. So shocker, I never expected to be full-time ministry, but that's what I'm doing now. And then after a couple of years as an aerospace engineer, really enjoyed that work, had an incredible experience, but really honestly was waking up every morning enjoying what I did, but still my, like the fire within me was for full-time ministry. So yeah. came back to work for SPO a little over two years ago Cool. and been in Kansas City. Yeah. That I, whole time. I had no idea about the SPO that you were a missionary. Like I did not know that. Oh, well, there you go. That's so cool. We get to know each other a little yes. bit more, Lee. That's yes. awesome. Can you tell, was it like top secret that you, what stuff were you designing? Like oh, nuclear no. missile silos. Yeah, especially stuff. missiles. I wish. That'd have been cool. Actually, my dream when I was in college was to work on fighter planes because I just think they're the coolest things ever. Sure. There's an air show that's coming into town oh, in really? August with the Navy Blue Angels, and yeah. I'm pumped to Where go see it? them. You know, I haven't looked that up in yet. The sky. Somewhere, you might have figured that out. Somewhere around <laughs> Kansas City. <laughs> that's what I know so far, and I will look online mm. later. Um, but I was working for a company called Collins Aerospace, which mm. is underneath Raytheon Technologies. Okay. So Raytheon does a lot of defense, but yeah, big. where I was under Collins, what I was working on um, is oxygen systems that go on airplanes. Cool. So it was my job. I was the reliability and safety engineer, so it was my job to make sure that the oxygen systems don't start on fire when That's good. you need to use them. Because That's good. If you ever look up oxygen fires on like YouTube, you can just see they just go yeah. really fast. So you don't want that to happen, clearly. Yeah. So. I'm not going to look I'm that glad up. I trust, I trust that, that that's traumatic. I'm glad that people have that job, and I'm glad that somebody supervised my work. Yes, mm -hmm. that's really great. Cool. So you're, you're full-time ministry now in Kansas City for SPO. What's your official role or title? Yep, so my title is Mission Director and Director of Operations. I kind of have a little bit of a dual role right now, um, but really my job is to help oversee all the mission work that's happening in this area. So that includes the missionaries at Benedictine College, we have missionaries at Johnson County Community College and UMKC here in Kansas City. And then we have missionaries that also serve young adults full time. So I have a little bit of a hand in everything and cool. then also help oversee the operational side of things. Like a big part of SPO is we have our missionaries live in houses mm. with the students that are involved in young adults. And so oftentimes we will buy houses near college campuses. I love that. So that our missionaries can really create with the help of the students. Um, a formative environment that other students can come into and yeah. just experience transformation just by simply walking in a house. So you're also in real estate is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So I don't do a lot of this, but we have, you know, uh, somebody I work with, Joseph Ginzel, does an incredible job of property management, oh, cool. which I'm so glad he does that. But nice. yeah, so kind of help oversee that side of things, which nice. is a surprising part of the ministry work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've heard of parishes before doing something similar, okay. of like buying up the, the houses around the parish that become available or that go hmm. on sale um, so that they could like sell them to Catholic families. 
Wow, I that are like I've, I've I have not heard of that, but yeah, that's like close, awesome. you know, in close physical proximity to the parish, that you just like create this hmm. this this nucleus, yeah. if you will, of Catholicism in the that. in the area. Well, I will say, living in Atchison spoiled me because mm. I lived in a house three blocks from perpetual adoration and wow. all the sacraments available at Benedictine, and yeah. so I think at that point it became my dream to live in walking distance to a Catholic church. That's mm-hmm. awesome, with adoration, preferably. Yeah, were you close to Amelia Earhart's? childhood home <laughs> i mean close uh, relative term it's in atchison right. so atchison. everything's pretty close in atchison sorry not to just trivia and stuff but how many people live in atchison you know I, I actually don't know to me it's a big town because it has a walmart and stop <laughs> that's big that's big bigger enough. than my hometown yeah <laughs> ida is this? ada ada i know cool. god bless ada i love it cool who is Bo tiller certainly i am Soon to be a high school assistant principal in Lee Summit, Missouri. Nice. Um, took that job at the end of May at a whirlwind of events that happened in the end of May, beginning of June. Sure. Um, which I'll get to. Oh, yeah. We'll tease that real quick. Um, I'm originally from Georgia and Northeast Tennessee, went back and forth. Um, a preacher's son that my dad has been in full time ministry for my whole life. He had five years where he was a vice president at a Christian college. Mm. So there was a, um, not in church ministry during that time, but but in Christian ministry still. And so there's all the the challenges that come with being a preacher's son. And I'll, I'll talk about the, I'm sure I'll talk about the the path to Catholicism from there. Sure. Because there's all sorts of challenges there as spoiler. well. Um, <laughs> yeah, another spoiler. It was a huge blessing to have just a, a family, a faith family around me all the time. Like it was parents, grandparents, like faith parents and grandparents all the time. Um which I think you start bumping into maybe in your teenage years, like that feels restrictive. Mm. But when you're eight, hmm. that's absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, so not only having my my own biological parents and biological grandparents who um, who are all awesome, I think that growing up in a faith family like that and, and living in a parsonage is the the term of what Protestant ministers can live in. They're housing like on the property of the church, um, being in the church whenever it was open. A, a parsonage? Parsonage. Hmm. Have you guys heard the word parson? I've heard the word parson. Nope. I, I've heard the word parson on like uh, old movies like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Is it related to a minister or a yes, pastor? Yes, it is in that related time? to a minister. I've, I've heard the name parson or like Parsons, but yeah. not parsonage. Yeah, basically pastor. Is that right? Right. I yeah. don't know the etymology. I don't know the language of origin or like, is sure. it only a Protestant thing? Is it a, um, but parsonage is where the parson lives hmm. with his family, um, if he has a family. And so. Cool. I think we lived in three parsonages. Okay. Um, pretty much up until I was eight. Hmm. So right across the street or parking lot from the church. Um, and then I think it really worked out well for me in that my dad did his five years in higher education when I was in high school. Um, so it never felt like I never felt like I had that fishbowl experience. I think that some hmm. um, pastor's kids feel where they're like, trying to spread their wings and they're 16 and driving for the first time and don't want um, everybody at the high school looking over their shoulder because they're the, or watching them because they're the the pastor's kid. Yeah. Um, So I think that worked to my benefit and almost gave me too much freedom, (laughs) maybe. Um, And so there was a little bit of, a little bit of wandering of, um, I heard it described on a a previous episode I was listening to of of New Mana of, um, like there was a full head conversion. Like Mm -hmm. I knew everything that a, 15-year-old needed to know sure. at that stage of hmm. of faith. 
Um, but it took a while for the heart conversion, I think, to happen yeah. once I started having some of my own freedom. Um, and I think I'm getting too much into the testimony right now. No, it's okay. Big part of the story is my parents moved to Missouri when I graduated high school. I stayed in Georgia and went to, to college. So even more freedom there. Georgia Tech? Georgia? No. I went to LaGrange College and played golf there. Oh, cool. Um, in college. Nice. Uh, LaGrange, Georgia. It's on the border with Alabama, like halfway through the state. Nice. But most of my best friends went to the University of Georgia. And LaGrange College is a thousand person private school. Cool. So I spent a lot of my weekends at University of Georgia. Right on. Like legitimately, almost all of my best friends went there mm. or ended up there. So is George, where is Georgia? Like the, not the state, the, uh, the university. <laughs> it's in, it's in Athens. South. It's in right. Athens. Athens, South. Georgia, okay. uh, which is about an hour 15 northeast of Atlanta. Okay. Um, interestingly, my mom taught PE at University of Georgia at one point. Oh, cool. One of the churches that my dad was at was like, 10 to 15 miles outside of Athens. Okay. Um, so that's a part of the story is we moved a lot mm. when I was young. Mm. He was kind of getting going, getting through seminary. Um, keep fast forwarding a little bit. Yeah. I went to South Texas for a year and taught school there. I went through the Teach for America program. Um, and that's what got me into education, essentially. Then I came to Warrensburg, not sure if Warrensburg, Missouri, um, which is where my parents still live, and not sure if I was going to stay in education. And I think that I was... I fell in love with just serving a small community there because mm-hmm. it's a town of like 20,000. There's an Air Force base there. That's why I asked where the air show was. Maybe it's at Whiteman oh, Air Force hey, Base. Maybe. Um, there's a university, I think I might already said, University of Central Missouri is there. Go Mules. Um, go Mules. That's it. And Jennies. And Jennies. The Jenny, the female sports, oh, the Jennies. Okay. Oh. Didn't know. Uh, because I think that's a female mule. Okay. I'll take your word for it. I think. It's great. Uh, <laughs> but spent nine years there and. Either did college ministry in a volunteer capacity, youth ministry in a volunteer capacity, or even did two years of part-time youth ministry to high schoolers Hmm. um, while I was teaching high school and coaching. I took a little bit of break from coaching basketball when I was doing full-time or part-time ministry. Hmm. Um, Then came to Kansas City three summers ago. Okay. Probably about this time in 2020. Moved right in the middle of the pandemic um, or like the heart of the the lockdown Hmm. time. People didn't know what to do. and then met my now wife, who's a, a devout Catholic and one of Bridget's really good friends. Mm-hmm. That essentially started my journey into Catholicism. Something I discovered was that I had never, before moving to Kansas City, I don't think I had ever lived in a county where there was more than 10% of the population was Catholic. Mm. Um, because mm. the Southeast, is, I mean, it's the Bible Belt, but it's the Protestant Bible Belt yep. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, almost everybody that's Catholic there is a transplant and... Yeah, um, it might be a little cultural thing. Like they might be Italian, they might be Irish, they sure. might be, mm-hmm. um, and so I just really did not have much exposure to Catholicism because even Central Missouri is a little bit more Southern than yeah. mm-hmm. um, it has more Southern roots to it than than Midwest maybe um, or a mix of both. So essentially, been on a journey of of figuring out Catholicism, um, and we'll talk about the twists and turns of that for the last two and a half years. Um, and joined the church, the Pentecost Vigil, which was May twenty seventh. Come on! So we're we're having Woo-hoo. this con. Thank you. Yeah. We're having this conversation about the Eucharist, and I have to imagine I am the person that's consumed the Eucharist the least that you've had on the show. I counted it up; it's eight, <laughs> eight times, eight times. <laughs> nice. Um, wow! Wonderful. Which also during that time welcomed our first child. That's um, so good. So there's, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind and and awesome. But yeah. Yeah. New job on May, well, joined the church May 27th, 
got the assistant principal job. I've been a, a high school science teacher. Nice. Um, particularly life sciences, mostly. Got an assistant principal job on May 30th, joined the church on May 27th, welcomed our child on June 10th. Um, we've lived in our new, new, new. we've lived in our own home for a week during that time. Wow! So it's just been a whirlwind. Yeah, and I'm mm-hmm. you're still I'm, upright. I am still upright. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm working great. off like five hours of sleep last night. Man, because uh, we're Newborns. also we're also caring for my brother that has developmental disabilities mm-hmm. right now for two weeks because um, my parents are on a long trip. So we we had the newborn, and then we just essentially added a toddler to to take care of, not <laughs> in our own home. Sure. But in my parents' house, so wow. that's yeah. God bless your charity. Amen. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that. Yeah, I can't tell if the Eucharist is making more, me more unselfish or my life circumstances are making me more <laughs> unselfish. Mm. I will say though, I mean, Bo and Sam are some of the most incredible people I know. I've known Sam, your wife, now for I think almost eight years. She and I met actually on an SPO retreat, uh, Fan into Flame, probably in twenty. 20- 16. Am I doing the math right? Sure. How many, that's when seven she moved. Years. That's when she moved to Kansas City. <laughs> um, yeah. 2016. Okay. So or that, moved that's back. It. But yeah, I've been friends with her for a while, and just it was. It's been such a pleasure to walk with you both throughout your dating journey, and now into your first year of marriage. And I mean, I remember chatting with Sam as we're, we were both single young adult women, and just like, and I'm still single, but we were. I just remember having this sense of like, you know, Sam, I just have this feeling that God has something incredible for you for mm. your marriage and that like it's actually taking this long because like of the preparation that's going into that and then watching the fruition of that happen with the two of you in your marriage has just been the coolest thing to see um how God prepared each of you individually yeah. and made you such amazing people and then bringing you together and just like the beautiful fruit of your marriage already is just incredible to witness so thank you very much love you Bridget. both a lot and yeah excited to thank you get to talk with you on this we think very highly of you thanks all right, now that we've gotten that stuff out of the way, <laughs> yeah. get those. Lee, we love you too. Too touchy, too touchy <laughs> too feely much. for you, Lee. No, I love. Yeah, you I love, love, love I love feelings. Yeah, I love love. That's great. That's great. <laughs> um, I was going to compare what you guys were saying to a blackberry bush, but that's not very romantic, or you know. Can fine. you please? I want to yeah, know sure. how you're going to do that. that. So um, I love blackberries. Okay. They're my favorite fruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, like, especially during the summertime because that's when they grow. Um, Are they a fruit? They are. It's a berry. Berries are fruit. Are berries fruits? Tell me, science teacher. Uh, you were talking about polar bears and <laughs> we were talking penguins about polar when bears. we were off air, it's I think. True. It's true. To be honest, I don't know zoology and botany that well. Right. Well, the seeds are on the inside. Of blackberries. Of blackberries. Okay. And I think that counts. Don't know. I'm not a berryologist. I'm, okay. I'm sorry to burst your blackberry. No. Or uh, tried, to, tried to burst it your hurts. blackberry it bubble. Hurts. So anyway, I planted this blackberry bush in my yard mm-hmm. at this house here that we had in Kansas City. We actually just moved to Lawrence, so this is kind of, um, but we just moved and, uh, but there's this blackberry bush that we planted. And the first year that we had it in our yard, watered it, watered it, hmm. nurtured it, cared for it. Maybe, maybe put forth, maybe 10 berries the whole year. So the next year, this past summer, this summer that we're currently in, this thing was, the branches were almost breaking. Did you get to enjoy the fruit? Nope. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. How do you know I, that it was I, I bearing didn't. so much fruit? Because the berries take a long time to grow. So. Oh, you moved like as they were mm-hmm. growing and then they ripened as you oh, left. Man. There were hundreds of berries on this bush by the time that we were leaving. But do they were you, all. Do you know the people that live there now? Nope. No, I've, I've, <laughs> do you departed. want to be their friend? I have, I have, what's the word? I have detached myself from that desire to eat of that, which I 
Ah, labor force. This is a great metaphor. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's exactly that, right? Just like love and marriage, mm-hmm. like the, the process of transplantation and becoming something new, some somewhere new. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, maybe it doesn't spring forth immediately. Um, but when life does come, it can come abundantly. And even in those times of waiting, too, those those times of waiting, those seasons of of not yet, mm, the Lord's just like, come on. It's so good. Come yeah. on. Yeah. So, okay, well, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. How did that start? What's your love story with Jesus? Hmm. Wow. It's ladies, like, how long do we have? first. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm going to cut Bridget off before she starts. Do it. That I, I okay. want to thank her for... The role she played hmm. in helping Sam, like bear fruit and ripen in preparation for what she was talking mm-hmm. about, because I wow. think I've I know I've heard Sam talk about SPO and particularly Bridget and just the hmm. the ministry that 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 SPO has done and friends like Bridget and hmm. and missionaries like Bridget that have yeah. um, just created a faith community in Kansas City that hmm. allows people to to flourish and grow into their. Um, what they were designed to be. Come on. Such as a ripe <laughs> blackberry. Blackberry. Wow. Mm. Thanks, Bo. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, Bridget's got a joy thing. She's mm. got a real joy thing. You know, and that's my word of the year. Yeah. I'm not trying to avoid the question, but. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, that's part of your story. It's part of my story. Jumping yeah. off point. Just a f- Yeah, in the last few years, I started doing the word of the year thing where mm. I asked the Lord, you know, do you have a word or a phrase for this upcoming year? And it's been so fun to see how he how he gives me a word or a phrase and then throughout the year how it comes to fruition. So mm. my word of the year is joy this year, Come on. which is exciting. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my, would you call it my love story with the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. So I was born and raised Catholic, um, incredible family. Both my parents come from Catholic families. And I think just generationally there's, we come from Catholics So my mom's side in particular, there's like a whole series. I mean, a couple generations ago, but a whole series of, priests and men and women in religious orders. Mm. I think I have like an uncle far back on her side that was a bishop, Bishop Kachera in Minnesota, I think. Um, I know he was a bishop. So there's a whole heritage of Catholicism in our family. Um, So growing up, we went to mass. I was taught how to say prayers. I was, you know, taught a lot of really incredible things. Mm. Um, And I think from an early age, I... Well, a couple things. I have a disposition of I'm pretty obedient and I follow the rules. And so when I'm told to do something, especially growing up, I think I'm a little bit more rebellious sometimes now. Mm. But growing up, I would follow the rules. And so if I'm told to do something, I'll do it. So that worked in my favor, particularly as I started taking um, like getting into confirmation class. And I remember, I mean, that in a particular way, um, my confirmation teacher I think she kind of recommended, but I took it as an assignment, said, you should read one of the Gospels. And up until that point, I hadn't actually started reading the Bible. And so when I was 16, I was like, okay, over the summer, I'm going to read one of the Gospels. And so I opened up my Bible, and I I think I just started with the first one. And then after that, I was like, well, why don't I just keep going? So then Mm -hmm. I think it took me about a year, but at age 16, I read the whole Bible for the first time. Let's go. Um, Didn't probably. What was your order from there? I, fin- I went from the Gospels through the New Testament and then went back around and to the Old Testament. That's how you should do and it, And went folks. through. <laughs> I probably didn't understand most of what I was reading. Um, right. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just think it would be very interesting to get to, like, the minor prophets on the tail end of that and be mm-hmm. like, man, can I finish? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, like, That's true. a month or 
two or three months in and you're hitting Leviticus, I think that would be very, very That's a usual yeah. deal breaker for, for yeah. folks. I think I blocked that part out. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. Um, but I, and so the, I think about that, that season where I, I started reading the Bible and didn't really know what I was reading, didn't know how to read the Bible or mm. even that there's like, you know, different genres basically of the books and yeah. how, like to read them differently and to pray through them differently and to think about them differently. I didn't know any of that, but I have to believe that because the word of God is what it is, that it was efficacious in my life Love because it's word. not going to return void. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as it says in Isaiah, my word does not return void. Yep. And so I believe that it started like his word started moving in my life. Um, I also had some incredible people around me that um, would talk often about a personal relationship with Jesus. And so early on, I think in high school, for sure, started getting this idea of I can have a personal relationship with Jesus and maybe even earlier than that, like age 13, 14. So it was never really consistent, but I think I had this disposition of like, I, I was pretty receptive to the movement of the Lord in my life. Um, but then fast forward a little bit to college and, and this is why I love what I do so much in college ministry, yeah. because I'm just the prime example of, I can have all the right things going for me, but then you plant somebody in the environment of a college campus mm-hmm. and environment plays such a huge role in in how we respond to things. And I was yeah. just pretty, pretty quickly swept into um, the life of the college scene. And not totally so. Like, I still was going to Mass every Sunday, still somewhat frequenting the sacraments while, so like one foot in the Catholic world, but then one foot in, like, but I can do all these other things that all my friends are doing because it was just the air that I was breathing, the water mm-hmm. I was swimming in, whatever analogy yeah. you want to use. I was swept into the environment around yeah. me. And and I was wrestling. I remember having this wrestling throughout college. Like, I don't want to be doing the things that I'm doing, but I don't quite know how to stop because there was nobody around me living differently. Mm. And I started at a small liberal arts school in northern Minnesota and through, you know, different changing my majors a few times and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Aerospace engineering is um, there's kind of a whole story that goes into that. But ultimately, it was probably one of the first times I felt called, if you will, to make a decision that did not logically make sense. So um, I had an opportunity to go to grad school um, because I also have a degree in math. So I had an opportunity to go to grad school for math and actually get paid to go to grad school. Or my alternative was to take out a bunch of student loans and finish a degree in aerospace engineering. And I just knew, like knew in my gut that I was supposed to do that. And now if I had done the grad school route, probably would have been fine, but I would not have met SPO at the school Mm. I was going to for that. Mm -hmm. But when I chose the aerospace engineering route, landed at the University of Minnesota for another two years, um, and that's where I encountered SPO. Mm. So my first, so I was there for two years. My first year on campus, met a different, another transfer student, found out she was Catholic, and we decided to go to mass together. She kind of got involved in SPO and would start inviting me to things. So that first year was really still kind of one foot in, one foot out, pretty lonely, pretty isolated. Sure. I'm on a campus of, I don't know, maybe 60,000. What? And I didn't know it was that big. I think it's that big. Wow. I don't know if that includes undergrad and grad or just undergrad, wow. but it's somewhere around there. Um, and, and, and similarly, like as an aerospace engineer, I think I was one of five to eight women in a class of 80 probably Mm -hmm. like I think statistically it might be different now but at the time I think it was around eight to ten percent women so I was also 
in an environment that wasn't like necessarily supporting me as a woman and living out like the way that God was calling me to live as a woman. Um, and I mean, there's a whole conversation we can have around that, but ultimately like started, I started having this like deeper hunger and curiosity to grow in my faith, but still felt like I don't know how to do this. That year I went to a Christian bookstore and bought like a whole bunch of books. One of them was Love Does by Bob Goff. And mm-hmm. it just like rocked me. Um, I bought a new Bible and I bought a journal and I was like, I'm going to start praying every day. And I think that lasted for maybe a couple months. And and I'm going to get to a point here, but ultimately, so then that, that second year, I ended up living with a couple of women that were loosely involved in SPO. And I just prayed like, Lord, I know I just need good roommates, which is interesting because I think there was something that I was discovering that I know that if I'm actually going to live this Christian way of life intentionally and fully, I need to do it with other people. I actually can't do it alone. So I was praying for good roommates, got some awesome roommates that I lived with that last year, wind up in an apartment with them. And I was, I was probably at the point of like rock bottom in my faith. Mm. I had had an internship um, that was an awesome internship, but in like a different city and was making all kinds of decisions that weren't upholding the value of my faith. Um, so when I got to that last year of college with the, my roommates, um, I knew that I was going to change because I knew that they were the kind of women that were going to hold me accountable to that. And one of them started inviting me to adoration. This is the point we get at. Um, that was the whole backstory. But one of them started inviting me to adoration. And I was, again, at this point of really wrestling with this one foot in, one foot out. And I'm in adoration. And I just remember like asking the Lord, why does faith have to be so hard? And it's one of those moments that I encountered, I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's hard to put words to, um, but as much as I can articulate it, it was like in a moment, the entire, it was like I saw something too, like in a moment, the entire world opened up to me. Yeah. And in a moment, I knew everything and like felt the love of God. And I felt him say, if it was easy, then it wouldn't be faith. Um, and just, mm. I believe in that moment, like that he actually gave me a gift of faith. And I also looking back, think that that was a moment where I would say I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, yeah. um, which if you haven't heard that term before is, is a fuller release of the Holy Spirit. So a lot of us as Catholics are baptized as, as babies. Um, and so there's a, there can be a moment in our life then later on where we, we actually choose that for ourselves mm-hmm. and really consent to it and say, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life and I, um, I confess my sin and I yeah. like receive your forgiveness and I ask that you would send me your Holy Spirit. Yeah. And there can be this release of the Holy Spirit then, then that happens in our life. And I, and I experienced that in yeah. adoration that day. And I, and I can look back and say that was the moment because after that, there was new grace available in my life that hadn't been there before. Come on. There was, I stopped sinning in the ways that I'd previously been sinning. Um, mm-hmm. I had struggled with lust up until that point. And then all of a sudden it was like, I just, I'm not able to do that anymore. It was like, I was free and could say no to it. Um, or like, again, party scene in college, I was drinking on the weekends. I was, and some of this took some time, but I was able to stop doing that in the ways that I wasn't able to before. I had been trying to pray every day for a long time, as I said, and I hadn't been able to. And all of a sudden I could pray every day. And here's the thing. I was waking up in the mornings 
with genuine excitement to read my Bible. Let's go. Hmm. And so I would wake up in the mornings and so excited to open my Bible and have my prayer time. And so that year like launched me into just like a newness in my faith. And there's been grace to pray every day since then. Like that was fall of 2013. And I'm sure I've missed a couple days here and there, but I could probably confidently say I've prayed 99% every day for the last 10 years um, because of like the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Because the like the thing is, you know, in scripture, it says like, you can't say Jesus is Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's like these ways that we're trying to live our life faithfully, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't. And I've just experienced the outpouring of that in my life lead me to deeper faithfulness, lead me to fuller righteousness, lead me to understand my identity as a beloved daughter of God. And I could go on. Um, But since then, that's, you know, soon after that, I said yes to being a missionary with SPO. And I was Mm -hmm. such a baby in my faith. Um, In a way. In a way. I, yeah, I had this whole foundation. Right. But it was this new understanding of what I actually, like what I had believed my whole life, I'm now actually starting to live it um, in a way that I'm choosing um, authentically. Mm. Um, and then kind of a whole, probably another story we could go into is how ministry and mission work and actually just living as a Christian is really hard. And Mm -hmm. so there was a a phase of kind of my honeymoon period with the Lord and then, you know, getting to, to dive, like dig in and, and, and get into the real stuff with him over the course of several Mm -hmm. years. That's wonderful. I just, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, like there's a lot of different language out there for that uh, I, I love putting it just it's an encounter with God that doesn't allow you like you can't physically you can't keep living the same life that you were living before mm-hmm. like you just you come out of that encounter a different person mm-hmm. and and even along with that like yes it's sometime in a company with a, a like a repentance factor yeah. that's exact I was thinking when you were talking I was thinking the word repentance right mm, yeah which is just changing one's mind right just the Greek word for changing one's mind, cutting ties with what was before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, yeah. I just, I will say too, like, I mean, I've experienced m- several like new baptisms in the Holy Spirit yeah. throughout the last 10 years. Um, some of which like one, even in the last six or seven months, that's yeah. radically changed me. Yeah. Um, and I, and a good friend of mine says it's because, because we leak, you know, yep. we always need more of the Holy <laughs> spirit because we leak. Yep. And, and I've experienced the Lord continuing to make me new and, yeah. and fill me again, um, yeah. in new and profound ways. And it's a release of, of great, uh, always accompanied with this release of grace mm-hmm. and this, this newfound freedom for the good things, mm-hmm. freedom from, attachments to the bad and freedom for, uh, yeah, to pursue those good things in our life. That's, a, that's amazing. And you had this encounter, this baptism in the Holy Spirit, uh, in adoration. In adoration. Mm. And per now, the invitation of a friend. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for that mm. friend and for the gift of adoration. Wow. And now you're levitating by locating. And... <laughs> <laughs> no, not yet, man. Not yet. I still Only in hoping. her soul. Hey. <laughs> there you go. Like hey, that. that's fun. what we need. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I like it. So, yeah, that's the, that's the just the, probably the short story, even though that was, you know, that's amazing. (laughs) Thank God for moving in your life in that way. Yeah. I'm very grateful. Yeah. Bo. Yeah. You're kind of touching on some stuff. I was about to say, I think I jumped the gun. Now it's time to lean in, lean in, (laughs) run the real race. Let's go. Um, So, yeah, I think I've been introed a little bit. The, the head knowledge was there very Mm -hmm. early on. Um, the, I mean, the Sunday school, the vacation Bible school, the reading the Bible for myself, the listening to uh, 
tapes, hours and hours of sermons. I don't know about it. I didn't have my Walkman out walking around. uh, I I had the Space Jam soundtrack tape in Nice. while I was dunking on my Nerf hoop is probably (laughs) what was happening. There we go. Uh, That's a great visual. (laughs) Up up into like Uh 13-year-old Bo. That's what was going on. Um, And I would say there was just this gradual drifting through high school mm-hmm. um, that continued into college, the first three years of college. Interestingly, hmm. my most significant um, conversion experience of like, I, maybe you have better language for yours than I have for my own, but I'll, maybe I'll just get to it and let it, the language, you guys let, brainstorm the language with me, um, was between junior and senior year of college, hmm. college as well that summer. But the just a gradual drifting where I think the hmm. the head knowledge was there very thankfully, I think the all of the roots and all of the the love and grace people had poured into my life and God had poured into my life up to that point, like kept me out of the ditches, mm-hmm. so to speak. I think like the indwelling of the Holy Spirit um, and the just all of the teaching and all of the love I had received up to that point, yeah. like kept the guardrails up hmm. that there were clearly things that were off bounds, but I clearly wasn't uh, keeping it in the middle of the fairway either. That uh, Love that. Yeah. I got plenty of golf analogies if you want them to go with your Blackberry analogies. Come on, <laughs> come on. But the between summer of my junior and senior year of college, I would say that um, similarly, my most dry time in my faith was probably junior year of college. Uh, just way too self-interested. Um, that, that I think kind of just like hit a point of depravity and selfishness. Um that God was ready to help me. Well, he's probably ready all the time, but let me get to a point where that I was ready to bounce back from. And then I had an internship fall through that summer, which led me to spending the summer in Warrensburg, Missouri with my family for the first time in three years of living with them. Um, and dad's a pastor. Mom's incredibly faithful. I have three younger siblings, seven, nine, and 11 years younger than me. So it was still like a very functioning mm. Christian home which I had a much more mature perspective to be in that place and receive all the grace of that at that age of my life. Um, and so started going to, I was going to church every Sunday, most Sundays, maybe not every Sunday, most Sundays, um, and staying connectedly, connected tangentially to my faith. Um, tangentially. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. <laughs> I'll if I had my computer, if my Wi-Fi was connected, I would look up and make sure it <clears throat> makes sense. <laughs> um, functioning Christian home, going to my own Bible, like college Bible study um, for tailored to me mm. every week, um, reading the book that I'll get back to in just a moment, going to my parents' small group, um, mm. sitting under my dad's teaching at church, um, having almost like a detox period from from drinking and partying and, and just those influences. Um and during that time, the book that we were reading was Crazy Love by Francis Chan, mm. which I've listened to three episodes in the last few days of New Man and I've heard two guests refer to Francis Chan. Yeah. I didn't know Francis Chan was so well known in Catholic circles. Well, I mean, with the whole like Protestant Eucharistic revival that's happening, yeah. Yeah. Francis Chan is, feels like on the front end of that. And it feels, I yeah. need to dig more we're into fans. that. <laughs> I need to dig yeah. more into that because Francis Chan had a huge effect on my life for that mm. first like year of reawakening to... Mm the grace of God and the power of God. Essentially, yeah. I got to a point of, hmm. I needed that detox time, I think, and like be in a good environment, as Bridget referred to. Um, and then what Francis Chan helped me do, or God through Francis Chan, was 
realize, I mean, the premise of crazy love is God loves you more than you can imagine. Mm. And so I'm convicted that God loves me. The God of the universe loves me more than I can imagine. Mm. What am I doing messing around in all these other ways and not prioritizing it, which is essentially what I got to. Mm. Um, and so my senior year of college, um, went back and, and like Bridget said, was very, like a lot of sins that were, were previously so tempting were no longer tempting. Mm. Um, or God like ripped me out of them and gave me <laughs> such a bad experience the first time I like got anywhere close to it. And I was like, Oh, not doing that again. Uh, I'm done with that. Wow. Um, consumed a lot of, read a ton of the Bible, um, listened to a ton of Francis Chan sermons and other sermons. Yeah. Um, and then that, I was studying business and political science at the time um, and didn't really know what I wanted to do along those lines, but determined that I wanted to live a little bit more of a life of service and now realize I could have lived very uh, clear lives of service in business or politics. But at that point in my life, I was like, I want to be a teacher and a coach in an mm -hmm. urban environment where I'm really needed was essentially if I'm going to live a life of service, like that's the life of service I feel convicted to. Mm -hmm. um, and so didn't want to entirely start over a major with one year left of college. Um, and so my dad told me about Teach for America, um, which essentially takes um, folks that don't major in education and trains them and places them in high need areas mm -hmm. to be a teacher. And that's how I got to South Texas. I had a really, really tough year. And I would, I would even say that I in South Texas. I would even say that I like was overdoing some of the spiritual elements of the path that I was going on and not being rooted in mm. more concrete ways of expressing my faith. I think it got too individualistic. Um, it got to like me and my prayer time and God and my scripture. And I was still going to church and participating, but it, there was almost like a pride there, I think, um, which get back to SPO, something that I've really admired of SPO in my uh, being able to be at least an observer and around some is the charismatic movement within Catholicism has the institutional structures of the church yeah. kind of helping you. The guardrails. The guardrails stay yeah. on track um, where my experience in Protestantism is uh, more charismatic expressions can lead to uh, reckless prophecy, hmm. um, emotional, like overly yeah. emotional yep. Uh, you're emotionalism, not, yeah. Emotionalism. Uh, if you're not doing it right, if you're not dancing and crying, and like that's the only way to worship mm. God, like that's the way it trends to, and yeah. a lot of prophesying of and people splintering off in their own prophecies, and mm. it's not good for unity. So to see, and I, I felt like I started like getting close to that and yeah. being mm. led astray by some of that, mm. uh, kind of on my own. Um, and so to see the charismatic move with, within Catholicism kind of functioning within the uh, the metaphor that's, that's worked for me that I've heard people say is that a river needs banks hmm. and it needs the water. Um, Otherwise, it's just a ditch or right. a flood. <laughs> or a flood <laughs> right. where I think the institutional structures of the church hmm. provide the banks, yep. but then yeah. you need the Holy Spirit and the the charisms to, hmm. to provide that's the good. water to, to uh, make it a river. And yeah. not just a big wide ditch that serves no good. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a saint who said that. So if you're in heaven listening right now. You know who you are. <laughs> Honor where honors do. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit of an aside. Yeah. Uh, part of my story yeah. is, is uh, 
kind of seeing both sides of that and just seeing what I think is the health of the charismatic movement within Catholicism. Right. Mm. Um, and I think I got to a much more healthy place um, of participating in in a, a body of believers that was was doing things really, really well, which was my, my parents' church after I came to Warrensburg and got a job teaching and coaching there in town. Um, and then really got plugged in serving, uh, did two years of youth ministry, like I referenced before, on a part-time basis, which involved researching and preaching sermons to teenagers every mm. week. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of formation during there. I also did some summer class of like discerning ministry, like master's mm. level classes of just discerning ministry during that time, um, which discerned out of, um, and then just really settled into a rhythm of, of pouring into the community there in Warrensburg, both the faith community and yeah. the greater community, um, and just the evangelism that, that comes through that and the mm. beauty of that, um, which then leads to Kansas City. And this story can can kind of wind and turn quite a bit as Bridget Bridget got a different perspective on it. Uh, <laughs> it's a great perspective. Hearing the ups and downs of it with Sam, um, but I'll fast forward to Sam and I met, who's now my wife, um, in January of twenty one, and a week into us meeting, her sister died very tragically, um, or unexpectedly. Yeah. Um, and so. We had a, on our first date, we had conversations about faith of, okay, your dad's yeah. a Protestant minister. I'm a faithful Catholic. Um, and we had conversations of like, yeah, we both believe we keep the primary primary and we can disagree on some of the secondary. And at the beginning, that's very like abstract and, and not immediate. Sounds but great th- over dinner. Right. But then, <laughs> but then I'm sitting at her sister's yeah. funeral services, participating in the rosary and all of a sudden... The differences between how I've expressed and experienced faith and and you are very, very different and, mm. and in my face, um, along with grief and wanting to support her. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the faith questions, I think, kind of got set aside and our relationship became very, very intense in the grief, mm. um, which was beautiful in its own ways. But then the faith questions had to resurface. Um, and what we essentially agreed to early on and have done pretty much throughout our whole relationship is she would come to the evangelical church that I went to mm. with me and I would go to mass with her every weekend. Um, and so we were doing that. Um, I don't think I was, I wasn't openly searching at this point. Like I was curious about mm-hmm. Catholicism, but I wasn't yeah. openly searching. Um, and then it just got to the point where our differences and my vision for seeing a future were, were uh, like they were just resurfacing and bubbling back up and had sure. been buried below a lot of the the grief and the, the intensity that came with that. And so we took a, a month off, a month break, and Sam was beautiful during that time. She watched all the services from the church that I went to, mm. made time to meet with the the pastor at that church to like get his opinions on whether we could make it work. Um, and I still wasn't convinced. And <laughs> so we, we kind of had this back off and on uh, for several months, which led to me like breaking up with her saying, I, there's no way I can do this. I can't build a future, Mm. um, with me being an evangelical and you being a, a Catholic. Um, but then seeing how hard that hit both of us, Mm. um, and like just crying for a day, I was like, okay, I really need to look into this (laughs) and and figure out if that's actually true. Mm. And so I, I told her that I would like look into Catholicism, but I couldn't make any promises to her. And I would at least get back to her by the end of the summer on what I had learned. And this tells you a little bit about who I am, that she 
she was like, well, let me connect you with this person and this person, and this person. I'm like, I'm going to, I want to pray for, I want to make, have some Catholic friends for you. And I'm like, Sam, I know that the way I work that I'm going to need my Catholic friends to be like books and authors and theologians and, yeah. mm-hmm. and not that these people don't know what they're talking about, but I'm going to really have to dig into this. And I think the count that summer was like 2000 pages of reading, um, not counting what I listened to and watched and, sure. and hmm. so forth. And so what I was able to come back to Sam with at the end of July and she was gracious and patient and leaning on our community. I'm sure that Bridget's a part of during all this time um, while I'm dilly dallying around is um, I can go to mass with you every week and I can participate in our children participating in Catholic sacraments and I can have faith conversations with you and our children at any point. Like I can promise you those three things if we go forward and if that's enough for you, I'm in. Um, and she was in as well, thankfully. Um, <laughs> and so we went from there, um, building back trust and, and yep. then like it really led to an awake or awakened a desire within me to learn all of these things. Essentially I realized I did not know, I knew a ton from Genesis one to the end of revelation. Like yep. hmm. if it happened from Adam and Eve to um, the writing of Revelation and John uh, John dying, like, okay, I've been fully versed in these other than yeah. uh, first and next, second Maccabees and, and so forth. And I've gotten into that as well. Yeah. Uh, to a way. I still got some that more was a learning. That subtle dig. <laughs> I still got some more learning to do about the intertestamental times there. Sure. Because before that, it, it went from Malachi to Matthew for me. Um and it still does in our Bibles. In the order, but yep. chronologically, <laughs> That's right. there was a big gap there. Right. Um, and so essentially I realized that I need to learn what happened from hmm. Peter, Paul, and the other apostles dying yeah. to at least the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Hmm. Because when you're within the the Protestant world, particularly the, the lower church denominational yeah. or non-denominational uh, evangelical world, it's very much what does the Bible say? That's mostly it. Right. That there there mm-hmm. might be some some theologians that we we like like Charles Spurgeon and right. and so forth from the last few hundred years. It's a matter of taste. At right. That point. There's yeah, very right. much like a there's very much a like pick what who you agree with based on your reading of scripture. Sure. Um and so yeah, I just dug into the church fathers and dug into the um I was still a long ways from joining the church when I discovered the catechism. I'm like mm. You guys have been sitting on this and nobody's told me about the catechism. Mm-hmm. Like what I was telling everybody yeah. about the catechism, Catholic and non-Catholic for for a while there. Um you carried it around you carried it around a copy with you in your pocket at all. I carry I carry it to church with me. It was me. a big pocket. Yeah, you did. I, I you brought like your a, catechism to church. I have a, a like a shoulder bag that I have a catechism and a Catholic study bible in now. Come on. And I would do that during evangelical sermons too. I'm called you, on, Bo. That's so good. <laughs> well, thank you. You carry your catechism in your fanny pack. Not my fanny pack because I your got man the, bag. I got the big blue one. I got the shoulder bag. Oh, okay. There okay. you go. But yeah, I do yeah, have yeah. a fanny pack. I'm not above a fanny pack. Lee. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> um, but I mean, I had preached sermons for for two years to high schoolers, and I was like, "Yeah, it takes a lot of research to. Do, am I going to pull this systematic theology over here? Am yep. I going to pull this commentary mm-hmm. over Life here?" Story. And I'm like, "You guys are sitting on this book that the whole church agreed on that has a scriptural index on the back that everything's footnoted all the way through, and nobody talks about this in their homilies." I'm mm-hmm. like, "Who's been hiding this from me?" <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I think the catechism is remarkable. I think that if most evangelicals and Protestants, hmm. and I, we can define those terms if we want, but knew about encyclicals and the catechism, sure. Um, I think a lot of the the conceptions of Catholicism would be uh, reformed, to use that term in in that way. Um, So keep going on the journey. Essentially, what I got to, plenty more studying and listening, and we can talk about who and what. Sure. Um, Started meeting with Father Anthony. Can you help me with this last name? Willette. Willette at Holy Name, uh, which is where we go. Um, The parish we go to in KCK, Kansas City, Kansas. Um, And he started meeting with me this past spring, um, and we had known each other, and he's been so warm in, I think he has a brother that is in the Baptist church, um, and he Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. he understands people, Christians that are outside the the Catholic church, which I don't always get from from all clergy or or folks that have been in the Catholic world for a long time, and I think before him and I even really had in, like deep conversations, he came over for dinner one night and he just like at the end of the night told me, Bo, you're a really good man and gave me a hug. And I was like, wow, that means a lot yeah. because <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm straight through the heart uh, for me, for you to be able to say that to me and give me a big hug when I'm not a Catholic mm-hmm. um, and to recognize Christ in me, despite me being in not being in full communion with the church was mm-hmm. really powerful for wow. me. Um, That's big. And then he and I started meeting more formally in the spring this past spring. Um, and mm. he was gracious to recognize that it was pretty much that I just needed to discuss all the things I had learned and like help him, him clarify some things for me and answer some questions like yeah. in real time. Um, and so we had probably four, three hour conversations after dinner, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and then in one of the last ones, one of the last ones where we went deep, the last one, we really just like talked about logistics about joining the church. Um, Sam was in the kitchen, I think, and we were in the living room. <laughs> I you remember know this story. story. <laughs> and I said to Father Anthony, I was like, well, Father, I'll tell you where I am right now. I believe in apostolic succession. I believe in uh, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And I believe in the primacy of Rome. And Sam pokes her head around the wall and she goes, you do <laughs> with a huge smile on her face. And I was like, so I guess I'd been holding out on her, um, which speaks to like how much ruminating I have to do before I like come around to all of those things. Sure. And so essentially, yeah, like all the church fathers and, and mm. just the, the, cause a big question within the evangelical world is what did the early church do? We want to mm. be like the book yeah. of Acts. Mm. And what I learned through a lot of my research was, um, can't know exactly what the book of Acts was if you close yourself off to what happened right after the apostles, hmm. which I think that most Protestants do. Um, and my experience is that a lot of Protestants that come into the church came through the church fathers to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, because as soon as you get to Clement of Rome and Ignatius of Antioch and Polycarp yeah. and Irenaeus and um, all these guys, like mm-hmm. they're pretty Catholic pretty fast and hmm. the Didache and... Um, so that was convicting to me. Like, I don't need to understand every single component of all the objections that most Protestants have with Catholics or with Catholicism. Um, but if I know that, like, these three core things that you can pretty much only find in the Catholic Church are true, then I'll figure out the other things later. Yeah. Um, and so join the, the church at Pentecost Vigil um, and have been a practicing Catholic and 
new father and liver of a whirlwind life for the last six weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> so that does it for the first installment of our great conversation with Bridget Pensano and Bo Tiller. Please, please, please highly encourage you to tune in next week as we unpack our testimonies and dive into Dominice Cene by Pope St. John Paul II. Thanks for tuning in today. God bless you. This has been New Manna.